Welcome to episode six of season two of the Orthoplug podcast, the show where we learn from some of the most inspiring orthopedic surgeons in the country who either come from underrepresented backgrounds or are actively supporting those that do. This is a fantastic episode where we speak with Dr. Abduli Jai, who is an intern at the University of Missouri. Among many topics discussed in this conversation, Dr. Jai describes experiencing and overcoming stereotypes. He said, I was walking, I think there was a, someone spilled some water, nurse slipped at me and like threw me a mop. And I was like, I mean, I can, but I was like, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> right. volunteer. How his parents' work ethic helped drive his own. There are times in medical school where after a long day of studying and then like you have to get up in the morning for a rotation. But I think back to like seeing my parents wake up four, five, six a.m., going to work, never complaining. So for me, I, there are many times in med school, I'm like, okay, I can do this. And how he felt empowered to pursue a master's and a PhD throughout his journey to becoming an orthopedic surgeon. I think if there's something that you want to do, anything is possible and you can do it. And I would say, don't limit your dreams just because you don't see other folks doing what you want to do. Before we get into the episode, I have one ask. If you can like, rate, and review the show wherever you're listening, that would help us out tremendously by allowing us to improve production value and for me to be able to continue bringing on the guests that you love to hear from. All right, let's get into the show. All right, I'm super, super excited about this one. Um, This is actually somebody so inspirational. I got people hitting me up. Like, you have to get this man on. He has, you know, one of the most inspiring people that I've ever met. And so I'm just super stoked to be able to chat it up with you. We have Abduli Jai, actually, Dr. Jai, official as a, a, a few weeks ago. Dr. Yeah, man, Jai. It's crazy. It's crazy. MD. Thanks for joining the show, bro. No, I'm happy to be here, man. I love all the work that you're all doing and happy to share a bit of my story and my journey with everyone. Yeah, man. And it's a, it's a fantastic one. I, I try to do as, as uh, much research as I can, and I'm already blown away. So I'm just, I'm excited to, to kind of tap in. I like to start from the beginning. And um, I know, you, I know your, your dad's actually in there too, but I know that your parents, they immigrated from um, Gambia. Um, is, that, is that right? And then yeah, you worked in like food service mm-hmm. jobs, um, basically to maximize the opportunities that you could have. Um, and so I just like to start because that's like kind of like probably a part of the roots of who you are. Um, and so how would you describe like the influence that your parents have had on you and I'm sure still have on you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think starting off with my family, like they're the foundation of everything that I've been able to do. I think even for me, like at a very young age, one thing they always instilled in me is like the importance of hard work um, and the importance of like sacrificing um, to get anything that you want in life. And I think one thing my dad always emphasized was anything worth having is on the other side of hard work and the other side of sacrifice and the other side of dedication. So I think even for me, there are times in medical school where after a long day of studying and then like you have to get up in the morning for a rotation that I think back to like see my parents wake up four, five, six a.m., going to work, never complaining. So for me, I, there are many times in med school, I'm like, okay, I can do this because I think about what my parents are doing. Um, so I think for me, like just those things, like watching how they move and how they act on a daily basis, like I think always instilled that drive and fire in me, just looking at like, look at all the things they've sacrificed to put me in the position where I am today. Um, so I think for me, that's always been a driving force behind a lot of the work that I've tried to do. Yeah, dude, that's, that's awesome. And just to be able to have such inspiring figures as your parents who kind of made huge sacrifices on behalf of you. And I'm sure they are extremely proud of what you have done on the backs of that sacrifice um you know that that's that's amazing and to be able to kind of have that sense of inspiration from them that you can hold on to during those tough times i'm sure like gets you through them early morning wake-ups and when you're on rotations and all of those kind of things um so i know that you were ultimately growing up in wichita kansas 
And uh, I read that you were basically like volunteering at a local hospital, like almost every weekend, like every Saturday. So, you know, you get this inspiration from your parents to just work hard. But where did this kind of I'm going to work hard and start pursuing that work, like funnel that work towards medicine? Like where did that interest in medicine come from? Because you're already like volunteering in high school. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah. So my parents immigrated from the Gambia. Um, lived in Dallas for about a couple years and then moved over to Wichita. So it's funny. People always ask, like, why are you a Dallas Cowboys fan? I was like, oh, my parents uh, were in Dallas. Um, oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, man. It's been rough. I was like, so they lived in Dallas 93, 4, 5. So that's when, like, you know, the last time the Cowboys were relevant. Gotcha. <laughs> if it makes you feel yeah, better, I'm from so Denver. For them, oh, okay. okay <laughs> so that's even worse. A little bit better. <laughs> Yeah, but um, growing up, we were always in constant contact with my family who were back in the Gambia. And I think even at a pretty young age, one of the common themes that I picked up on, which is the limited access to healthcare my family back in Gambia has. So we'd have family members call and say, man, I'm not feeling well. Um, but the local or like the closest doctor I can go to is four or five, six hours away. So I think I'm just stay home and thug it out. Or I'd have like a family member who had like, and this is kind of like where the orthopedic twist came in. Um, I had family members who'd say like, oh, I broke my ankle or suffered an orthopedic injury, but there was no orthopedic surgeon in the country at the time. So they'd either go to like traditional bone setters or kind of these traditional healers who use things like sticks, rods, um, and kind of like their more um, indigenous methods to kind of manage these orthopedic injuries. Or there was like a Cuban missionary group that came every three to four months or so that those who suffered orthopedic injuries would kind of wait for. Um, So for me being like five, six, seven, um, it just didn't make sense. I remember I talked to my mom, be like, why, how come grandma can't just go to the hospital? Um, like if I'm sick, you take me to the hospital, get some Tylenol, like I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember one day my parents just kind of sat me down and were like, you know, these are the reasons we came to the United States. Like not only for like education, but like for you all to have a better opportunity, but like even looking at things like healthcare, for example, it isn't the same in the U S as it is in the area. Um, and I remember kind of looking at her just like this confused elementary school kid. And she was like, you know, if you want to fix that, maybe you should become a doctor. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. And that's kind of what was set that spark. Um, and it was funny. I got to the point where I was in middle school, um, where family member call kind of say something that was going on. And I'd actually stay after school in middle school, kind of Google the symptoms I heard, um, <laughs> but like print off maybe like a little sheet and like, and like, Hey mom, like grandma said her feet were swollen. So this is what I found. You know, it's like WebMD, That's like all crazy. kinds of crazy differentials and stuff. Right. Um, but it, it was funny. Like I, I used to show my, and then my parents were like, okay, you sound like you're actually really committed. So it was something they never really pushed me towards. For my parents, one of the things they always emphasized was just the importance of education. They always said, like, education um, is one of the sole things that can, like, can treat completely change your life for the better. So for them, like, they never pushed me towards, like, healthcare or anything. They're like, as long as you go to school and do well, like, that's all we care about. Um, so th- kind of my family background is kind of what spurred my initial interest in like kind of public health and medicine. Um, and then when it came to the volunteering, so around that same time when I was in middle school, um, my uncle started living with us um, and he suffered from epilepsy. So there was one day, I think I was in eighth grade or so, um, I was sitting in class and I had like the principal call and say, hey, you need to come meet me in the office. Um, and I walked in and my mom was there. Um, and how she looked, I could tell like something was wrong. And she kind of like, pulled me out and said, hey, we're about to head to the hospital. Your uncle was running on the track at the YMCA and had a seizure and fell off the track. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go check on him. So we went, saw him in the hospital. Um, 
And then like he was in the ICU, like he was there for about a month or so. Um, but on this day that he was discharged, he was pushed out by a volunteer. And I remember I like tapped her on the shoulder and I was like, Hey, how, like, how are you doing this? Cause she looked pretty young. Um, she was like, yeah, like I signed up to be a volunteer. So I know like, while we were like getting my uncle into the car, I kind of like nudged my dad and I was like, Hey, she's a, she's a volunteer. <laughs> right. He was like, yeah, like get her contact info. We're not, we're like, we're trying to get your uncle home. Like we're not worried about that. Um, so yeah, so it's funny. Like, I think I got home that next day. Um, and kind of like, for me, I was like that annoying kid. It was like, Oh, I'm gonna figure this out. So it's funny. My dad always says, I like, as soon as I got home, like went on the website, like figured out what I needed to do. And that next day called, had everything set up. And I was like, Hey dad, can you take me to get these shots? Cause they said, this is what I need to do to start volunteering. Um, so that's how I got started off with that volunteering. And I started doing it, um, every Saturday. So they had me in hospitality. Um, and then with the hospitality, so I'd go every Saturday and I was the kid who like took in trays, refilled water, restocked gloves. Um, but I loved it. So the only time I didn't do it was when I was playing sports. So like during basketball season, the time I'd take it off. Like I did that all the way throughout high school. Um, and I think for me, one of the things that I started to pick up on early that kind of solidified my drive wanting to go into medicine was when I'd walk into patient rooms, I'd have some patients, especially like young, I was like probably 14 at the time, black man. Um, I'd have patients look at me and say, why are you here? Are you in trouble? And I'd be like, no, like I'm interested in medicine. Like that's why I'm doing this. And then especially for some of the black patients, I had one patient like break down and start crying and saying like, this is what we need to see our young black men doing. And then for me at the time, I was like, whoa. Um, and I remember walking out the room, I kind of like paused for a second, kind of looked around and started to notice that like nobody doing this looks like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like internally, I got to the point where I was like, I think it just built even more draft. I was like, this is, I'm doing something that's bigger than me right now. And I think kind of doing that and like the culmination of that and kind of like my family background kind of propelled my interest and kind of made me want to lock in and be like, okay, I think medicine is what I want to do. Yo, that's that's so dope because I feel like I've had uh, like similar in and in Rochester, Minnesota. There's like not just in the entire town. You know, we we call it a town. That's that's what that's where I'm at. But <laughs> <laughs> we don't have many people who look like me either. And so when I get a patient, I've had a similar experience where it's just like, yo, like I'm proud of you. You know, it's just like it's almost like that that auntie kind of like. No, feeling sure. you know when it's just like i'm proud of you you know keep doing you like you know we're, we all need that um and so for you to get that at a young age you know 14 year old in high school doing that seeing that i'm sure that that set like a a fire in you um and i and, and i can see that it's still lit um i also read that during your volunteering you know you had those great experiences that you just mentioned but you also had a few kind of experiences i know one um i think it was like a nurse kind of tossing a mop over at you and you know assuming that you were part of like the the custodial uh staff or like a security guard questioning whether or not you were supposed to be in there um you know so those are also reactions that as a black man you can get yeah no absolutely and it's funny that you bring that up because i remember the first time that happened to me um like you said i was walking i think there was a someone spilled some water nurse looked at me and like threw me a mop and i was like I mean, I can, but I was like, I'm a, I'm a right. volunteer. Um, and then she was like, oh, like, I thought you were part of the custodial staff. Um, and I was like, okay. And I remember like walking throughout that day. I was like, why, why would she think that until I started to look around and see who the custodial staff was? Right. Um, and I think this is another um, point where like, I think one of the common themes is just like the drive and like the 
the impact that my parents had that I remember coming home to my dad and telling him about that instance. And he said, you know, this should make you want to go even harder that like someone sees someone like you and they think you don't have the power to be, you know, a volunteer, not even a volunteer. He said they, their first assumption was that you were a custodial staff, even though you had the blue volunteer jacket on with the badge that said you're a volunteer. Right. Um, and I think like, even like those kind of moments, even though they discouraged me, I think they also like kind of put some fire in me too, where I was like, okay, I'm about to prove these people wrong. And also just seeing like how proud, like especially those who look like us were in terms of like seeing that I was doing this and then seeing the other side where people, I felt like they were like, well, you don't belong in this space. I think all the culmination of that really kind of built the army that at a young age that made me say, okay, this is what I want to do. Yeah, man, that, that's, that's awesome. And I think it's important for everybody listening, myself included, to be able to, you know, recognize that you know, you, you get, you get, you may have two sides of that coin as, as an underrepresented, you know, minority in medicine. Some people see you who resonate with you and will boost you up. Some people who see you who don't necessarily resonate with you may make assumptions or let these biases kind of influence the way they interact with you. Um, but the way that you responded to that, I think, is everybody should be taking notes from because, you know, you responded in a way that you, that fire became even, you know, more lit. You got more motivated, more inspired, more driven, um, and I'm and I'm sure a lot of the successes that we're going to dive into stem from all of that kind of inspiration that that, that you were able to get. And your dad sounds like an extremely wise man, uh, <laughs> you know. So that's that's extremely fortunate to just have that. That's awesome. No, it's been a blessing. Yeah. Um. So you ultimately, you know, do your thing through high school. I know you went to college at Kansas. You did your thing. Go to you get to medical school and you're back in Missouri for med school. Um, and I saw that you you were enrolled in like this integrated ortho program. I think you're even going to be like a concurrent PhD student throughout residency, um, which is wild. So like, can you describe <laughs> this program a bit and like what went into your decision to pursue it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think it was in '92. It's when the University of Missouri created like this integrated program. And I think the first department was family medicine. Um, but they used it as an opportunity to keep, you know, students, strong students um, who they wanted to recruit and retain at MU. Um, so what you do is you apply between your M3 and M4 year. Um, and then they, you have your own separate application process through the institution. So um, you have interviews for some departments. And then once you get the spot, it's not a guaranteed match. That's one thing they always emphasize, like, you still have to go through the match and like apply. But once you get that spot, um, it's like a non-contractual agreement that, you know, if you go through the requirements, every department has their own requirements that um, you will be put in the position ranked to match if you want to go to that institution um, mm. or if you want to if you want to stay at MU. So over the past couple of years, other departments have started to hop in. So recently, I think ortho hopped in as well. Um, so thankfully like that opportunity. So I applied between my M3 and M4 year, um, went through the application, interviewed, um, and kind of found out that I got the spot in July. Um, so, so which was really nice. So it allowed me to kind of tailor my fourth year. So I don't have the traditional, um, M4, um, um, or, um, M4, um, fourth year, um, interview cycle and things like that. So I was sending my friends like positive loves and vibes. Like I didn't really have to, you know, so I didn't go through like any aways or sub eyes or things like that. So my fourth year, basically, once I got the integrated spot, I went through like my integrated rotation. So it was nice. They basically turned my fourth year into like an intern prep. So I did like some of the ortho rotations. I do my intern year. So I went through like canned trauma, peds, 
Um, and then one thing with the ortho integrated is like they want to develop it into like a academic track. So one big component of it as well was spending a lot of time doing research. Um, and within, within that, one thing they're kind of working on um, was creating a concurrent PhD opportunity um, that was optional for students, but it ended up working for me because I took time off between my M3 and M4 year to get an MPH. So I was able to like, carry over my MPH credits. And then between um, coming into medical school, I took a year off and did kind of like a research program where I took some courses as well. Um, so with that, I was able to like carry over like a big chunk of credit. So since I had free time during my fourth year, I actually took, I was actually taking courses as well to kind of knock out my graduate school credits. Um, so I think during residency, one way I was able to make this work is that like since I knocked out like a big chunk of like my actual coursework, all I have really left is just the research that I'll be doing throughout residency, writing up my dissertation. So that's how I'm going to be able to do the concurrent PhD on top of the integrated residency program. Wow, dude, that's that is everybody needs to do that. Like I'm over here getting ready for these away rotations and sub eyes and constantly yeah. checking my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it has been a blessing, bro, for sure. Yeah, it was nice, like, knowing where I was going to be, like, when I popped open my envelope, I was like, all right, let me make sure I, like, did this right and, like, make my rank list right and stuff, too. Uh, but, yeah, no, bro, it's been a blessing for sure, and it's nice, especially, like, I've had such an incredible experience at the University of Missouri, for sure, especially our department of orthopedic surgery has been incredible in terms of, like, just providing me with, like, the mentorship, resource, and guided needed to kind of do the things I wanted to do, especially within ortho, so. It was a no-brainer for me wanting to stay for sure. That's awesome. And, you know, there's, I guess, with how important research is becoming in orthopedics, I suppose that this trend may change. But historically, there's not too many MD, PhD orthopedic surgeons. And so you're kind of already going to be able to establish your own lane in that, that in, in this field, which is fantastic. Um, was the decision because you said it wasn't like a mandatory component of this integrated program but was the decision to pursue an a phd was it just because you were like you're just genuinely interested in specific research where what ultimately led to you being like i'm not just going to do the integrated program but i actually want this phd yeah no absolutely so a lot of it actually stemmed from the time off i took so I took time off between my m3 and m4 year to get my master's in public health um, and kind of what went behind that decision is so coming into medical school, and I kind of talked a bit about it, a lot of my interest was centered around the intersection of just like public health and medicine. And when I kind of finalized the decision, knowing I wanted to go into orthopedic surgery, um, I really struggled with it because I would talk to mentors and say, yeah, these are my interests. Like, I'm really interested around like public health, social justice, health equity, um, and intersecting with orthopedic surgery. And I actually had mentors who were like, you know, that's cool, but maybe you should think about primary care family mm -hmm. medicine or something else where you, like you'll be a surgeon you won't have time to do those things or orthopedic surgeons don't care about those topics um so that's something that actually really frustrated me and i remember i got to a point where i was like you know do i want to go into surgery and orthopedics like will i be able to kind of do the things i'm passionate about um and i think that's honestly one of the drivers that kind of made me want to stay at mu was like i had really good mentors so um some of the mentors at mu like i spoke to them and they're like no like you should be, you can do both. like that's something you can definitely do and we're here to support you and we'll help you do what you want to do um so when it came time to decide when i wanted to take my mpa so um it's funny so i was going back and forth um and it was like pre-covid and i was like maybe i want to do this um but then it was actually covid hit and then after george floyd was murdered um i was president of snma at the time and we really got together and we we're trying to figure out okay 
what can we do as a medical school institution? We're like reviewing our curriculum. We're like, our medical school is great. But like most medical schools around the country, you know, we're only having conversations surrounding like, you know, systemic, systemic and structural racism, you know, the history of ro- the roots of racism in medicine. Like most of our conversations are like, these are social determinants of health. Then we kind of stop right there. Um, so kind of working with my colleagues and kind of like talking to them, I really, I think I had a moment where I sat down and reflected and I was like, what do I truly want? Like with my career? going forward um and kind of sat down and spoke with mentors and i was like i think to be able to do what i want to do in the future um i think i really need more time to kind of just like hone in and focus on like kind of this interest i have around the field of public health and you know covid going on to kind of help solidify that as well mm-hmm. um so spoke with some mentors and it chose to take time off to go get my mph so i was in boston um, of last year at Harvard, getting my master's in public health. Um, and while I was there, that was one of the first times I was actually really able to like meet mentors and folks who are kind of doing the work I always hoped to do and didn't really know what's possible. So meeting people who are doing research at the intersection of like surgery and orthopedics and public health and global surgery and looking at like health inequities and social justice. And I was like, this is like, this is incredible. So I was able to kind of start some research there. And one of the big, um, projects I was actually doing while I was there was I was able to connect with um, one of the orthopedic surgeons who's in Gambia, where my family's from. So Dr. Keba Morena was the first orthopedic surgeon to actually live in the country, and he moved in 2018. So I was wow. actually able to hit him on Twitter. <laughs> I was wow. like, hey, Dr. Morena, like, seeing all this incredible work you're doing, like, Gambian American, like, would love to, you know, just kind of talk to you and kind of see the work you're doing and, you know, find any potential ways to collaborate. So I actually like hit him up and he was like super stoked about it. Um, and Harvard actually has like a global orthopedics collaborative. So I was able to work in conjunction with them. And one of the things we actually pulled together was an educational case conference um, where we spoke with Dr. Moreno, like, okay, like, are there any topics, like or things that you're really interested in? He said, one of the things I'm really interested in is improving education. Um, so what we actually did was like, okay, are there any topics? And he was like, one thing we really deal with is, you know, complex lower extremity trauma a lot of like delayed presentations it's kind of like i touched on in gambia there's only one main trauma center it's on the west coast of the country so some people have to travel like five six seven hours to kind of get to that one facility um so he said a lot of the things i've seen since i've moved back to the country so a lot of like delayed presentations you know like chronic osteo like malunions non-union so if those are some things we can maybe discuss and don't like a lecture series that'd be great so we actually ended up um, so the Harvard Global Ortho Collaborative have been doing that kind of work in the past. So we actually ended up working together and throwing together a case conference where we have like some of the orthopedic surgeons and like some of the trainees in Gambia actually present some of their cases while we also had like educational lectures that they were able to review as well and kind of threw that together to have like an educational case conference. Um, so that was like That's just amazing. an incredible thing to see. Um, so kind of the culmination of all of that work kind of made me really interested in like, okay, I think one way I could kind of pursue this is like being more involved in this kind of research. And I think that was around the time when I was like, just seeing the impact that research could have when it came to like really moving the needle in terms of like social justice and health equity, especially in the field of surgery. You know, a lot of people care, okay, like where's the data? Where's the publications? Like, how do we prove that this is real? Um, so I think I kind of got to the point where I realized like the importance of research in terms of like driving change and social change moving forward. So once I came back and kind of heard about, you know, the integrated program, um, I met with our research coordinator and I was like, yeah, like I'm really interested in this. Like the current PhD sounds great, but this is the kind of work I want to do if I do my PhD. And I know this isn't, you know, what's typically done for these type of projects. Um, and they were like, you can do whatever you want, like, and we'll support you. 
So my PhD project actually is orthopedic capacity building in the Gambia. So I'm actually working with the orthopedic surgeon in Gambia right now. Um, and our plan is to study just like right now, looking at like the key barriers to orthopedic care and access and hopefully using that to kind of drive and develop essential goals and technical priorities that we hope can we make it we can maybe consolidate into like a document that we could take to like the Ministry of Health and kind of work on increasing orthopedic capacity over there. Um, so that was kind of what drove me to do the PhD portion, uh, component of the integrated program was just seeing the work I was able to kind of do during my MPH and seeing like, okay, I think this is what I really want to do. And just, it was just, the PhD ended up being a blessing. I was like, all right, this could be the avenue that I could be able to kind of continue this work I did during my time off. Right. Dude, that's, that's amazing. That's like, and and I, I was I was gonna highlight if 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 uh, if the word Harvard didn't come out of your mouth, it was gonna come out of mine because he was like, yeah, I did this MPH, and I was about to be like at Harvard, and then you were like, yeah, it was in Boston, I was about to be like at Harvard. <laughs> but no, dude, that's 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 a that is a fantastic experience, and I'm so happy that you were able to get plugged in with the people who you are able to find like you know inspiration from and see that people in the field are actually doing the things that you're interested in even if they aren't the typical things and even if some of the things that you mentioned doing some orthopedic surgeons are like we don't do that you don't need to be doing that whatever you're able to be exposed to people who do do that and then i love i always love hearing stories of like the initiative of just like hitting people up like the the doctor in gambia you just hit him hit him up on twitter and now you're able to work with him um, and it, it, I think it's always important to highlight those kind of things because everybody's going to be in different positions. Some people have, you know, are fortunate with great home programs and mentors and all of these kind of things. Um, but, you know, even if you don't have those resources, you can always take initiative to kind of create those opportunities for yourself. Um, and so, you know, and you have the initiative and then I continue to kind of see this uh, character trait of yours of just like this genuine, I don't know, like intellectual curiosity with things of just, you know, ever when you were young, looking up stuff that, you know, grandma's toe hurts or whatever, let me, let me WebMD, you know, and they, oh, here's what's going on all the way to, you know, taking it on your own self, your own initiative to look into things in the, in the motherland for you. Um, and, you know, just using that curiosity to drive your actions is, is always powerful. So I was like to highlight that too. Um, and yeah, I can't, I can't wait to just see you about to end up having the whole alphabet behind your name. You, I'm M- telling you, it's MD. funny. All my friends back home, they're like, you just got this alphabet soup. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying dude, like MD, MPH, PhD. Uh, but no, that's, that's amazing. And for you to do that, you know, as a black man and get in the, in that space is, is powerful because, you know, people can't, be what they don't see, and they're gonna see a lot in you. Um, so you you also mentioned that you know you were you know president of your SNMA chapter, and you know this diversity, equity, and inclusion like passion is is very strong for you. Um, I know that you did a few things. I know that early in your medical school career, you met with the dean and started this like common read program for incoming medical students that you know so that they could actually learn more about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and you know, like we said, you were involved in SNMA, um, bridging the gap out outreach program, like all these kind of things centered around that. Um, so my, my question is, you know, how first, like what, what motivated you to kind of get involved in that space? And then how, how did the school receive you going to the deans and just saying like, this is, we need to make an effort here. How, how was that received? Yeah, absolutely. I guess like my initial interest, um, 
kind of centered around that work was really just thinking about what I needed when I was when I was coming up. Just because for me, a lot of that wasn't there. Like it's funny, I always tell my friends, like I didn't meet my first black position until my junior year of undergrad. And that was because I was involved in maps. Um mm-hmm. that's when I met my first black position. Um and then once I was and during my time at KU, I was really involved in um our office of the multicultural affairs. So I really did a lot of work with them, kind of centered around just more of like social justice, health equity. Um, I actually had the opportunity to travel to Flint um, during my time there. Um, we kind of did a water drive where we kind of went up there and like installed water filters and gave out water to folks living in Flint. Um, and I think that was one of the times when I was like, really became interested in like the intersection of like public health and, and medicine and social justice and medicine. Um, but I think for me, really, it was just like seeing gaps, um, especially once I got to medical school. So with um, the common read. So at MU, we have um, um, OSR reps. So this is an organization of student representatives to the AAMC. So I was the OSR rep for my class. So with that position, like in the fall and in the spring, they send us to um, AAMC meetings. Um, and the sole purpose of those meetings are really just for medical school, medical students across the country to kind of get together, sit down and kind of talk about work that's going on at other med schools. Um, and I can't remember what institution it was at the time. They were talking about like a common read program that they had. Um, so I was like, OK, this is this is cool. So I kind of wrote that down. Um, and when we come back from our um, OSR meetings, we have our meetings with the dean. Um, and I think around that time, we actually have our SNMA exec actually meets with our deans as well. So I think the meetings kind of overlapped and we kind of met with our deans and I was like, hey, you know, just came back from this meeting. I saw this common read program forces all M1s um, to kind of like read an incoming book centered around talks like, you know, social justice, like health inequities, like the importance of kind of like having these conversations in medicine. Um, and I was like, I feel like if this is something, you know we should be able to do and we should do i think setting that tone early like within orientation of medical school um kind of emphasizes how this is just as important as learning like your basic physiology and pharmacology and i think like if we set that standard as soon as they come in and during their orientation week um that's how you kind of facilitate and foster a culture and saying like hey we prioritize these conversations and this kind of work um and i will say one thing i truly appreciate about the university of missouri is that our deans have just been incredible. Like our Office of Medical Education is very receptive to student feedback, um, even if, you know, sometimes it's critical um, mm-hmm. to what the work that they're doing. Um, but like our dean of diversity, equity, and inclusion is a black woman. Our dean of student affairs is a black woman. And one thing they always finish is really powerful and really been advocates for us and kind of helping to push the needle. Um, so in terms of bringing it to them, they were like, okay, like, let's do it just figure out what you all need and then we'll like sit down and work so within snma um our exec staff we all just kind of got together and like okay let's figure out what we want to do um one of my mentors um at our department of orthopedic surgery actually so as an m1 i kind of told him about my interest and he gave me the book um seeing patients unconscious bias by dr Augustus why he was like i think you should read this and when we were kind of sitting and talking about okay what should be the first book i was like i think this is the one so we ended up making that our first book um for the common read um, and with the growth of the common read, so we've actually transitioned it. So now it's called Beyond the Scope. Um, and instead of a book, now students are doing TED Talks or watching TED Talks before. They're reading articles beforehand as well. Uh, but all we want to do is just make sure that those conversations were being had during orientation, just like emphasizing the importance of like, okay, this is just as important as anything else you're going to learn in medical school. Uh, so that's kind of that how that work kind of started. That's awesome, man. That's, that's like... 
And I, I hope that everybody listening to this, that people will be in similar positions of being able to influence, you know, what's going on in their their institutions. And like you said, sometimes you just need to hear something and be like, oh, yeah, my 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 school needs this. You know, my institution needs this. Um, and I think everybody needs to be able to have that. I love how you framed, you know, the fact that if students come in and write off rip, we're learning about, you know, social justice, diversity, equity, inclusion, the importance of it within healthcare, and all of these things then they're going to have a different level of like, they're going to value that at a different level than um, they may otherwise, if they're already well into their career and things are coming up and you know, they're just like, ah, oh, whatever, but I'm already kind of doing this. You're kind of helping set a foundation for the type of physicians that people are becoming through this. Um, and that's like, that's fantastic. I love that. Um, so, you know, as as you're kind of talking, you're mentioning so many other just like leadership position things that you're doing, research that you're involved in. We talked about you going to you know Harvard to get your master's in public health, and you're going to be doing your PhD. Um, and so there's like so much like just powerful things that you have been involved in so far. When it's all said and done, and you fully have all of these uh, letters at the end of your name and everything, you know you're attending. Dr. Jai, the attending physician, um, what do you want to kind of like censor your practice around? What, what, what's like your future practice? What, what do you envision that to look like? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. It's funny because I always, I always get that question all the time and it changes. I think for me, like I think right now working, having like an academic career where, you know, practice an orthopedic surgeon, but also being able to kind of like have, be able to kind of continue the research and work I'm doing. Um, I think one thing I'm really passionate about is like being able to show that like you can do multiple things. Like you can be an orthopedic surgeon, also have these outside interests because I know coming up, like that was something I struggled with. So I want to kind of like be that. It's funny because I was like, I wish I had someone doing kind of the work I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think for me, if I could have a career where I can show students that you can care about these things and still be an orthopedic surgeon, you can care about public health, you can care about diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, you can care about global health and kind of still intersect all of those things at the same time is what I'm hoping to be. And I think also just being visible. I think like we said too, like you can't be what you can't see. And I also just want to be able to show like, you know, you know, like students who don't look like your traditional physician that like, Hey, this is something that you can do. Um, and it's possible because I think there's a lot of times for me too, like I said, in the hospital where I, I look around and not see anyone who looked like me. Mm -hmm. Um, and there were times where I was like, you know, dang, like, is this something I could be doing? So I think for me, like within my career, like being able to like kind of have this career component um, where I'm able to do the research and use some of the letters and all this alphabet soup I have behind my name um, within mm -hmm. my career, I'm in a positive light. But then also being really involved in kind of like medical education, also like kind of outreach and mentorship as well. It's kind of like the big buckets I kind of, I hope to be able to have in my career moving forward. So I would say, I think those are the big things I, I hope to be able to do moving forward. Absolutely, man. And just in terms of like your visibility, it's it's already there. And so I can only imagine the impact that you're going to just have from that standpoint, once everything is said and done. And you're just, you know, that. that's it. Because and for me, too, personally, like I have a similar thing, like I have other interests outside of just clinic in the OR, you know, some related to specifically to medicine, others not. Um, and so it's a similar thing of like, if I see other people excelling and still being able to enjoy other things, because in this field of medicine, it's so easy to be like super consumed with, with medicine. Right. And so I really appreciate you taking that, that leap in your own life, in your own career 
to be able to manage these different hats that you have going on, these different interests that you have going on and do so at such an amazing level. Um, and I know another hat that you're juggling, another ball you're juggling or whatever is, is, is Papa dad. Yeah. Um, so huge. Congratulations <laughs> to that. It, man. Appreciate it. Welcome the baby, baby Ollie, is it? Yeah, baby Ollie. Yeah. So it's funny. I actually, I named him after my uncle who I talked, who I talked a bit about. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, huge congratulations. Thanks, man. Um, I, you know, one, one of my last questions to you is just like, first, how, how has it been since being a dad? I know it's relatively recent. And then second, has like fatherhood um, played any role in this trajectory that we're kind of talking about now with the things that you want to do in the future? No, it's been, it's been a blessing, bro. It's, it's been incredible. It's funny. People always say like your life changes. Like once you, once you have a little one and I was like, once he was here, I was like, yeah, I see it. Like, it's just been so funny. I think one of my favorite things is just me seeing like the little, I feel like there's like day by day changes. Like I was feeding him yesterday. He like moved my hand and was holding this bottle. And I was like, when did you, when did you start doing that? (laughs) Um, But no, yeah, but no, yeah, (laughs) but no, it's been, it's been awesome, man. Like even this morning, I think he was up like, 4 a.m. just smiling and laughing and playing and like you you look at it and you're just like how could I be mad at this person you know like how could I be mad mm-hmm. at this and it's just it's just been awesome man it's just been such a ball of light like we've all been so happy and so blessed um so so it's been great and I think for me I mean it was funny so like I took my med school graduation pictures with him um and I was like holding him up and just looking at him and I was just like man like I didn't meet my first black doctor until i was a junior but like you get to grow up like a junior in college but you get to grow up and see one every day Mm. um and i think that was just one of the most powerful things and i think for him just being able to i think like i've been able to like have all this knowledge and these opportunities but like i feel like a lot of the things i've been blessed with have just been like me kind of just like stumbling and just like having an interest and kind of looking here and being blessed with mentors who kind of like help me guide along or guided me along the wrong along the right path like i think for him being able to say like I can help guide you and kind of help, you know, help you around the trajectory alongside whatever you want to do, you know, selfishly, it'd be nice to see him like going to ortho as well. But um, <laughs> I think for me, just being able to look back and be like, I can give you a better starting point than I had growing up. And I think always talking to my parents, like, especially like seeing them in grandparent mode, has just been awesome as well. And one thing they always say is like, this is the reason we came to the United States right mm-hmm. here to like, see what you've been able to accomplish. And now looking at like, baby Ali and seeing that like he's going to be able to start way ahead of you and then being able to hopefully accomplish even more in his life moving forward and then hopefully he has kids and that goes on as well and it's funny like my parents always like you know these are the sacrifices we made like this is why we came to the U.S. and we woke up at four five six a.m. every day doing jobs you know we weren't that passionate about but knowing that at the end of the day looking long term like what we see now is what we were hoping we see in the future so um, it's been incredible. I think just looking at him, even with the 4 a.m. wake up calls and the, <laughs> the diaper changes and stuff like it's been, yeah. it's been awesome, man. Uh, dude, that that's awesome. And and I, I, I'm sure I can only imagine, you know, your parents feeling like just that all of that sacrificial love that they imparted on, you know, the rest of the family and being able to see generational success, you know, after that is extremely like fulfilling for them. And seeing their son play such a pivotal role in the generational kind of success, I'm sure is just, is 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 massive. So kudos to you about that. And I know that baby Ali is gonna be 
looking at dad and be like, yeah, my dad, my dad, a boss. I might, <laughs> I might have to see, see what this medicine life is talking about. Yeah. No, it's um, funny. I was watching, uh, I think I was watching like LeBron or someone talking. He was like, yeah, like everyone's like, oh, your dad's LeBron. And Bronny's like, no, nah, that's just dad. So I was like, he's probably going to be like, yeah, my dad has like these random letters. Like, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> right. No, I, 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 I saw something like that too. It was like, uh, uh, I, I think Braun actually was talking about how he's he's tried to um like coach Bronny in certain ways and stuff, but Bronny just will not listen to yeah. him as much as he will to like his just normal coach because it's like regardless if you LeBron James or not, you your dad to him. Right. <laughs> oh, so so that, that that'll come with it. That'll come with yeah. it. But once yeah, I get older, hit you up soon to start getting some tips. I know you got your little one too. <laughs> I've seen your pictures are getting big, so. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Dude, 16 months. It time oh, wow. flies. Yeah. Time flies. So enjoy it. One thing that's, that's nice as time flies is that they sleep a little longer. Okay. That's what, <laughs> so yeah, that's yep, what I'm yep. open for. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you about, it was, he probably didn't sleep through the night until like nine, 10 months. So he was a little like, some people be like six months in sleeping through the night, but it's going to come. Um, <laughs> and you know, I, I, I feel you too. Cause even just as being a medical student, things, you know, you're you be you be so busy, and then you come back and like your kid acting brand new because he done grew so much, learned so many different things. All of these different kind of things happen, um, and so I'm sure that that's gonna happen for you too. But it's it's like the biggest blessing, like you mentioned. So I'm so happy for you and the wifey and the fam, and that everything is going well. Appreciate it. So before we before we wrap up, um, do you have just any like final words for uh, you know advice, any words of wisdom that you want to kind of share to anybody? who, you know, now has seen something that they may want to be. Um, I know for me personally, like you are an inspiring person. You're inspiring, like, you know, you're going to be a huge inspiration to many people. I've just feel honored to be able to call you, you know, Appreciate bro. And, 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 you know, you know, my boy and everything. Um, but just like, there's going to be a lot of people who are like, dang, I never even thought about being an MD, PhD, getting a public health master's. And going into orthopedic surgery, I didn't even know that was possible. Okay. Or you know, <laughs> and I'm still like, dang. But um, you know, uh, there's gonna be a lot of people who look up to you. So like, just any final words that you have for those people listening? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it was funny. We had um, I had my t-shirt on. We had Black Men in White Coats um, Summit um, back in April, and Dr. Dale said one thing that really resonated with me. Like it, it all starts with you. Like the you only need one person to believe in yourself, and that's you. And I think for me, that was something that I struggled with, especially like kind of with all these outside interests. I was like, man, like, should I be able to do this? Like, should I be doing this? Because I had a hard time finding people who were doing it. So I was like, maybe this isn't something that should be done. But I'll say the biggest thing is I think the first part is just like believing in yourself um, and then not taking no for an answer. I think if there's something that you want to do, anything is possible and you can do it. And I'll say, don't limit your dreams just because you don't see other folks doing what you want to do because you can, it is possible to kind of create your own lane. Um, and I think that's one thing I have been blessed to be able to say that I've been trying to do is kind of, you know, kind of prove the doubters wrong and saying like, Hey, these things are possible. Like you could be Dr. Dad and like do the public health and, you know, have mm -hmm. and, like kind of do these things as well. Um, so I'll say the biggest piece of advice I would say is just, you know, believe in yourself. Um, and I'll say, you know, just anything is possible. As long as you like, you're committed and you're willing to put the work in and do what you need to do to get to that position, anything is possible. Um, and I'll say, I think another thing that I've really been blessed with is just like incredible mentors. And I think we kind of touched on it a bit, but I was like, if you see someone in the position where you want to be like, reach out to them. Um, I think the, the advice I always got was like, the worst thing someone can ever say to you is no. 
And I feel like most people aren't going to say no to. So I think the biggest thing is like if you see someone where, you know, where you want to be like, reach out to them. I think one thing I've really appreciated was just like seeing people in certain positions or moving certain ways that I, I hope to emulate, like just maybe just shooting them like an email, like um, or shooting them like a DM on Twitter, like the orthopedic surgeon got me like, hey, these are my interests. You think we could sit down and chat because you never know what can come from it. Um, and for me, like what came from it is like this PhD project I'm going to do moving forward. Um, so I think that'd be the biggest thing for me is, you know, believe in yourself. Don't take no for an answer. Um, and then reach out to folks who, you know, if you see someone doing what you want to do, reach out to them. I think those would be my big three. For this episode with Dr. Abduli Jai, you can just tell that he is going to accomplish a lot in his career and he's definitely paving a lane that many people will be able to follow behind him. If you did enjoy the episode, be sure to like, rate, and review wherever you're listening. It really helps us out a lot. Okay, we'll see you in the next one.